welcome to Things We're Too Lazy to Blog About. I am Amanda Lauren, and I am with my co-host, <laughs> Ali, and Amelia is here just, like, being adorable. <laughs> hey, 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 yes, we have Amelia right in the house. It was a little bit crazy mom life today. I was supposed to pass her off to the husband, traffic on the 101, thought otherwise, so here she is. <laughs> and we are with... Just two amazing people. Yes. James and Steph Papara. I probably butchered your last name. You did pretty good, actually. (gasps) It's Purpura. 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 I get a reward. Yeah. You did pretty good. That's like why I make her the intros. I don't even try. No, it's. I have a friend who changed her name from Tegan, and she might be listening. Hi, to Harpringeet. And I said to her, I love you. This is a great decision. I'm so sorry for your customer service agent. <laughs> 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 and you can't tell. Amanda wears many hats, and one of them is that she's a comedian. Yeah. stand up. So yeah, that's that's awesome. Awesome. the jokes crack quite often. Well, good. That's awesome. She's yeah. the dry side of our relationship. That's, <laughs> that's my career. I don't get paid for either. So. <laughs> you want to be paid That's for right. <laughs> you're not funny enough <laughs> girl, I want to be paid for trust me always I'm like if I could just tour and do stand up honestly I'd be out of everything else I, I mean I love I love writing for Forbes I love writing about decor and all these other things but like That's bye yeah. right. like no like I'm so the intro That's like what she does every time we do an intro she makes it's my like making that. fun of it yeah. and then I take off my braces because I realize they're noisy and then I make fun of our sound <laughs> hey you could be like the marvelous Mrs. Maisel at I'm night Right. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Let me tell you. Let me tell you I am. <laughs> <laughs> so my uncle would be horrified. That's <laughs> why he does not go to my stand. Comes to a lot of fun. We love the crude humor, so we're going to be good friends. Oh, uh, we are from Utah, which I feel like is so. It's such. It's an interesting state, as I try not to offend anyone, and most likely will. <laughs> so, are we talking about the same place? <laughs> I no, because I think of it as like, and like one of my best guy friends lives there, and I just feel like it's a lot of people skiing all the time, and a lot of Mormons, and a lot of people not drinking, and, if and you yeah, are Mormon, the dry side of the relationship. So we're so we're on the skiing side of that fence, not the Mormon side okay. of that fence. No, because I'm Jewish. Well, I'm a blue Jew, but apparently a lot of Mormon traditions are born out of Judaism. So I have a lot of respect for Mormons. Also, they're oh, very so nice do we. People. They make yeah. great neighbors. Like yeah, they don't yeah, party. They're yeah. Are immaculate, yeah, right. like, exactly. like you're good to go. if you have a baby, they bring food over for like two weeks. Yeah. Like, that's amazing. they make great neighbors, yeah, but absolutely. you know, we don't, we've, we're not more. No, I mean, there's been, yeah. there's some beautiful spots in Utah. I've, I've traveled, like, it is, it's a beautiful. We love it there. Yeah, I yeah. bet. How long have you guys been there for? So, I'm from there. Oh, you're from there? Uh huh. Okay. I'm from here. Okay. But we, you know, we spend a lot of our time in Utah, and then we have a house in Hawaii, so we spend our other time nice. there. So we get, we get, awful. Yeah, <laughs> so, so we're either skiing or surfing, one of the two. There you go. Not, not a bad life. <laughs> it doesn't suck. <laughs> no. So I was, so your event is called Powerful You, and I was looking, I actually, so with a lot of guests, I'll like listen to them on other podcasts, and I didn't for you because I have a feeling your story is so interesting, and I want to be surprised instead of jaded. Okay. So I yeah, we heard your story is really amazing, and we both talked about this because we you, usually do. Like we did our research, but we didn't like go through to find out the story in itself because oh, we wanted okay. to let you guys tell it on our show, and we're just gonna kind of let you guys just take it away and tell our audience a little bit about you and the story and how this all came to be. Okay. 
Well, 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 well no, yeah, so it's if you hit a your rock bottom financially, emotionally, and spiritually bankrupt. This is just like, oh, I'm, I'm such a dark person. Like, I don't appear to be, but I am dark AF. So please, just like start up from there. Let's get Okay, all right. Want to go deep? All right. Um, it's hard to go so deep in, so, in front of such and a so cute baby. Okay, it's all good. No worries. She, she, she won't understand. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, you're good. Um, so when I was eight years old, I was sexually abused, and I was starting to never tell. Um, and I remember looking in the mirror and thinking... I have no purpose. I have no meaning here. I'm never going to be able to tell. I was threatened. There was one time that I was ready to tell. And my dad was cleaning the garage one Saturday morning. And the boy came over on his bike. And I thought, oh, my God, he knows. He knows I'm going to tell. Somehow he, he just knew I was, was going to tell. But really, he was coming to sell pizzas for a fundraiser to my parents. And when my dad went in the in the house to get his wallet, he threatened me. He's oh, like, God. don't you dare tell. I will tell them that you made me do this. You know, eight years old, you don't know the difference. Of course. Wow. So I never told. Actually, James is the first person I told. Uh-huh. I took that into my adulthood. Wow. Um, shortly after that, my parents had divorced and my dad left. He didn't want to be a dad anymore. I've only seen him maybe five times since then. Wow. Um, And I thought I was unlovable. No one cared. I thought if the one person who's supposed to love me no matter what leaves, what does that tell me? My perception of myself was I'm unlovable. No one's going to give a shit about me. That's awful. So I became bulimic. I had cut myself. It was just this downward spiral. I wanted someone to love me so bad. And I just picked the shittiest people because that's how I felt about myself. Yeah. So, of course, that's what that's I'm going to attract. Yes. So, I continued on with my life. It wasn't getting any better. I just was completely depressed. Um, I had ended a really bad relationship. And I went to a hotel room. And... On the way to the hotel room, I went to the store, and I had purchased makeup, hair dye, and a rope. And I went to that hotel room contemplating my life. I thought either I'm going to color my hair and put on some makeup and get over this shit, or I'm going to end it. And I spent two days in that hotel room contemplating it. I wrote a list of of every reason to stay and every reason to go and I couldn't find one to stay. There wasn't someone who loved me. There wasn't somebody who cared about me. I had a mom, but we didn't get along. I wouldn't open up to her. She was trying to move on with her life. And today I'm close with her, but it's like, you know, you can't blame her for wanting to be happy. Of course. Yeah. You know, I wasn't close to my brothers because, you know, they were also messed up. Yeah. I mean, from the divorce. Later on, I found out my older brother was also sexually abused oh, by God. a family member. Oh. And so we're dealing with our own shit. Yeah. So I had decided I'm done. I'm not going to play anymore. And I tied the rope up in the shower. Oh. And I dropped. Everything was going dark. 
And I woke up, I don't know what happened, but I woke up the next morning on the shower floor. Oh, my God. Untied. Oh, my God. I looked up in the mirror, and I mean, I woke up thinking, was this a dream? What happened? I looked in the mirror, and I had, you know, gashes all the way across my neck from the rope. Bruises. Like, I couldn't hide it. Yeah. And I was like, it's not a dream. So I sat there on the bed contemplating, should I do it again? Should I live life? What should I do? And there was just a small moment where I just decided, I'm going to try again. I'm, I'm going to try it life for just maybe, I'm just going to see what happens. I drove to my mom's house and I had shared with her what had happened. And she said, you have a purpose here. You weren't untied for, you know, any reason. You were here for something. You need to find out what that means. So I continued my life. And um, I just, I mean, I wasn't happy. I wasn't, I mean, I would guess I was still like dealing with depression. I've dealt with it for a really long time, but it wasn't like anything great had happened. I didn't want to be in any relationships because I just felt like they were all going to be the same. And then I met James and James was a year out of jail and... You know, then there was another whole set of issues like, am I going to date somebody who went to jail? Like, is he going to be just somebody else that was going to be the same as all the other guys? Wow. Wow. And we started our journey. And you can tell your portion of the story. That's going to be hard to to match. But so for me, you know, my childhood started off in a really weird way so I was a pretty happy go lucky kid you know just like she was before the abuse you know just was one of those kids who's just full of life and I couldn't I couldn't wait to go to school because my I don't know the brother was a couple years older than me right and you know when he'd bring books home I'd be like I gotta go to school I want to learn how to read but I was having difficulty learning how to read and so I went to when I went to kindergarten um, it became apparent pretty quickly that I had severe learning disabilities. And the first day I was going to go to, you know, what they used to call special ed, now they call it like resource, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to go to my special ed class. You know, it was here in California, actually, not that far from here. But um, the teacher called me up in front of the room. And she looked at me and she said, you know that only retarded kids go to special ed. And I stopped. I was like, what? Like, you know, so you're either retarded or you're stupid. And I, was, I, was, I, was, I was sitting there in just complete shock. And then, you know, as I turned around, she goes, as I was walking out of the class, she told everybody in the classroom to call me stupid on the way out the door. I know this is hard to believe, and it's so hard for me to imagine that this happened in a school, but it did happen. And so, you know, when I went home, I told my mom, and my mom was just like, she was, she actually was bipolar, manic depressive. She didn't, she didn't know how to deal with a issue like no, this. No, of course. You know, and so. She was sick herself. And my parents were divorced, and my dad was off partying. And so she was just like, you're just going to have to learn to deal with it. The world's a cruel place. And so that was the mindset that was instilled in me is that, you know, everybody's out to get you. And, you know, when I went to school the next day, I thought, well, of course, this this isn't going to happen again. And it was every single day. 
She would tell me I was retarded, and she'd make the entire class call me stupid on the way out the door. This is nuts. And then there was there was this one kid, you know, I still remember his name. His name was Scott. You know, and Scott was like assigned. Who was you know the teacher's pet. He became my personal bully, yeah. right? And every day, I mean. You know, it was just like, it was just the most random stuff for the next few years. I just got bullied to the point that it was, you know, I felt invisible. And I still remember, you know, the actual disassociation with my emotions. Like, I can't let these people see me cry. So I, you know, I removed myself from the emotions of the situation. I got, you know, I got pushed off a giant slide, landed on like a concrete you know, like a concrete, hard-packed dirt thing, you know, massive swelling to my face. Um, you know, it was just relentless for a few years, and that really set the tone. And at the end of my at the end of my first year of school, I made my mom call me to call the school and take me out of special ed. I'm like, I'm never going to be made fun of for being different again. I don't want to have that stereotype. But I, I mean, I had some pretty severe learning disabilities, so that created a lot of problems. So. You know, I really slipped through the cracks as it related to school. I was just falling out. And, and so, you know, you know, that's set the tone for the rest of my life. And eventually, even as I grew up, you know, all the learning disabilities and things set a really negative tone for me. And finally, one day I just gave up and I said, you know, I turned to drugs. And, you know, eventually I was an addict and I had to start committing like small crimes to feed my addiction. And that's what I did. I, you know, I fed small crimes and, and, you know, I got locked up a few times, but I finally ended up in jail and I really pissed off a police officer on my way in because I kind of escaped from him. And so they put me in a solitary confinement unit, oh, which wow. I was in for 15 months. You know, oh my God. Wow. I, oh. How do you survive something like that? Like that to me, it's like, I know people who have been to like jail and like, I could see like how someone can, like, it's a nightmare, but I feel like people could survive it. But I can't imagine being alone for that long. Of pe- like, how do you deal with it on like a day to day? Well, I mean, it's really difficult at first because you only got, I only got out of myself one hour every other day to go to the shower, right? Or to go into a concrete room and I could kind of see the blue sky or, you know, depending on what time of year it was. And so those type of places, either you find something inside of you that you didn't know was exist that existed and you find a real strength or it kills you. I mean, there's really no in between. And there were a few people that, more than a few people who tried to commit suicide in that unit and at least one that succeeded. But something happened to me and here's what happened to me is that you know, I used to write these because I felt very much like a victim, like I'd been victimized my whole life. Everything felt like it was happening to me. I used to write these long lists of everybody who I thought had harmed me. And, you know, I was doing like meditation and stuff and I was trying to like forgive them. And I looked down at this list one day and I saw that and I looked at the names and I said, you know, the only common denominator between all of those things is me. What if I somehow created it? Right. What if somehow this was all my fault? And then I thought about what those two things meant. And what those two things meant to me was either I create everything or I create nothing. I can't create some things, right? And so it was on that day I decided I created everything because if I didn't create nothing, it meant the world really was a cruel place. And so I decided on that day that I was going to figure out what it takes to create a successful, wonderful life for myself. And so shortly getting out of, after getting out of jail, I made stuff. And, you know, I did a lot of meditation and prayer and, you know, a lot of like reading self-help books. And I was on my way up and I looked her in the eyes and I just said, 
about four days after we met, we were in a parking lot, and I said, I got to tell you a story. And I told her the whole story where I came from. And I was like, you don't have any reasons to be here. The last thing you need in the world is another loser. But I promise I'm on my way out. And she saw something in my eyes, and she believed me. And from that point, we spent an exorbitant amount of time working on ourselves. Every single day, we'd talk through issues and emotions and perceptions and ideas. And it took us about, I don't know, about nine or ten years to make our first million dollars um, from that point. But it was a full-time job. We never, we weren't watching Netflix. We were literally working on ourselves. And we figured out, you know, all the mechanisms for creation. And from that point forward, our lives took off like like a rocket. But we made a promise to ourselves early on. And the promise was, if we figure this out, we will share it. About a year, a year ago, we sold our technology company, which was a worldwide technology company. And Powerful You was born out of that. And it was our way to give back. We want to bring, we want to bring self-help, personal development, you know, real substantive information to the masses. You know, we feel like the personal development industry has gone in the wrong direction in the sense of it's only there for rich people. Well, Tony Robbins, a friend was like, oh, I have a new great deal on tickets for $850. Yeah. And I'm just like, I... Yeah, how can any real person be able to attend something like that? it's just it's extraordinarily expensive and it's just out of well, and it's discouraging because you're like well I would love to be able to be educated on this and have a part of it like, it's so profound and I'm just like yeah, and and who doesn't want the help? Who doesn't want to become better? Right, because I always do. Yeah, everyone needs the tools. The resources need to be available to everyone. And we love Tony Robbins, but if you don't have thousands of dollars, if you don't have thousands, not bagging on you, Tony. But but if you don't have thousands of dollars, you're never going to see him, right? And people need help. And so we wanted to bring it to the masses, make it affordable for everybody. I mean, we have, for this event coming up in L.A., we have tickets, scholarship tickets. If you can't afford it, $25. Yeah, I saw that. Like, we do not, we will not refuse anybody entrance based on not being able to afford to pay. That's amazing. Right? If they want to come, I mean, these are world-renowned top speakers, $25. We have, you know, student tickets, $25. I mean, obviously, our general admission ticket, if you can afford it, we'd appreciate it if you paid the mm-hmm. 350 Right. But even our VIP is $12.99. That's what you would pay for a bottom-level ticket anywhere else. Yeah. It's true. No, it's important. I think it's, you know, I feel like there's been such a surge in personal development in the past two years. And I'm sort of making up that number, or at least that I've sort of become, like, cognizant in the past two, three years that this Mm -hmm. is a really big thing. And I I was actually looking at the roster for an event you had in Okay, you had Jay Shetty, and I love him. And I want to know, I have to ask you. I want to know about Jay Shetty. Like, what is he like in person? And I'm just going to sit here and geek out because I think oh, that's you're so a fangirl moment, huh? Jay's like the most humble oh, person. Really You'll be like, Jay, you're so great. Thank you. And he'll be like, thank you. And I'll be like, no, thank you. And he'll be like, thank you. Jay's a super humble really human kind. being. Really kind. Him and very his wife, soft. very sweet. He, he's people. actually fairly shy. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So like when he goes to events, like he kind of like avoids like the touching points. Like he doesn't really want to like, like he 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 has has fun with that personal interaction, but he really does well on stage. 
you know, I find, I found Jay early on, and I think he's yeah, great. He is so. amazing. So interesting. He once, like, one of my tweets where I was, like, talking about him, I was at, like, a coffee <laughs> shop, and, like, there were two people sitting at the one table that had, like, the plug for my laptop, and my laptop was dying, and I'm like, I feel like I'm in a Jay. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> See what happens when he awesome. liked it, and I just totally, that, like, made my week. That's so um, cool. Yeah. And you've had, so who are you having at the L.A. event? Uh, well, are you familiar with Glennon Doyle? She's I, great. I am not, but it's but I saw I her. And she's I yeah. know, like, she's the know? author of Love Warrior. Yeah. Okay. It's hard to know who everyone is, and I so yeah. we have a ton. We have like yeah. thirty speakers. It's like Bedros Koulian. We got Lisa Billu coming. Yeah, We've got uh, Lori Harder. Lori Harder. We have uh, Trent Shelton. Trent Shelton. Lillian, Lillian Garcia, Garcia. Henry, Henry Amar. Amar. I mean, there's just tons. You got to go to our Milet website. Is I coming. love NQ. Amazing. NQ. Um, Alex Benayan. That's Alex Graciosi. No, Dean Graciosi. Oh, Alex. Oh, you said Alex. I said I meant. Sorry, Dean. Sorry, Dean. I just made my point, which is hard to know. Absolutely, everyone. You but you have an amazing lineup. Yeah, I mean, that's a powerful lineup. It's awesome. It is a powerful lineup, and we're everyone. trying to get the word out. Ed's great. Like yeah. he's, you know, Ed's like, you know, he'll tell you first things. Like I'm the realest person you're ever going to meet. Like I'll tell you how it is, <laughs> right? And he's, but he is. He's that real, and he he just keeps it real all the time. And he's very, you know, he's very forward. Um, but you know that's great. But we have we have we have something for everybody, right? There's no, I think that's important. All those people, like especially him, because I'm familiar with him through Rachel Hollis, because I first heard him on um, Rachel Hollis's podcast, mm-hmm. and then I heard him on um, Skinny Confidential. Lauren Everett, who was on this podcast a long time ago, we have to get her back on Ellie. Yeah, she's like good. like send me an email, make a note. Um, <laughs> I have to email her because I'm supposed to put her in Forbes in a few weeks um, doing a house tour. If anyone's listening, hopefully there'll be one Um, because she just moved here. But anyway, um, I digress as I always do. But he's so interesting because I just feel like he's so normal. Mm -hmm. Like there's something very accessible about Ed Milet. So are you familiar with Trent Shelton? I'm not. So look, you want to know accessible and familiar and just... Real. This guy speaks from the heart. I mean, he is so raw and so real. You should look him up. You know, he's like the biggest up-and-comer in the space. Like, he just passed, like, almost 10 million on Facebook. Like, he is just growing faster than anybody else. But it's because he's so real and so raw. We just we just had lunch with him because he was on Tom Billy's show this morning. So we went up and saw him. But, you know, Trent's... You know, just oh he's god, a good human. he's just a good human being. And Lisa Billu, Steph, and Lisa are good friends, and we just love she's Lisa. Amazing. I don't know if you're yeah. familiar with her, but she she's is a woman, woman of impact. impact. I am familiar with her, not super familiar, but I I know who she is. I know who she's married to. So tell me, tell me about this Trent Sheldon. Like, who? What's his story? So Trent was an NFL football player, and he he ended up you know getting injured and kept falling out of the NFL. Mm-hmm. And then what happened was is that as his career was ending, you know he had the choice to go into arena football, or one of his friends invited him to speak to five thousand kids. That was his first wow. first yeah. opportunity to speak, <laughs> and he was like, "Well, he goes and he speaks to these five thousand kids. He gets on the stage and he goes blank." And then he was like, he just—he was like, I gotta speak from my heart, and he, and he just lit the room on fire. And he realized at that time, he gets a call, like, hey, you want to come play football? He's like, no, I gotta go talk to people. Wow. And he 
ever since then, he's got something called Rehab Time. He just talks raw and real and right to you and talks to your pain. And, you know, he's been through depression and, and he's just like the realest human being, one of the realest human beings I've ever met. And, and if you haven't experienced him, look up Trent Shelton, guys. He is amazing. absolutely amazing. amazing. So That's that's awesome. No, this sounds like an amazing, and it's two days or three days? Three, three days. days. Three days. Wow. That's a lot. So you started this a year ago, two years ago? One year ago. Wow. And you just have like all the, like you just got all the names. You're like, nope, I'm going through my my uh, list, my email list. Okay, I'm going to write, and they're going to speak, and that's amazing. I'm fairly persistent. <laughs> 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 that was my one skill I did have, right, is I'm pretty persistent. And so, I mean, look, we've got a lot going on. We have a book coming out. You know, we have a movie coming out. The stories we just told you, we featured in a movie. You know, we've got Trent Shelton in the movie. The movie will release you know, hopefully at Tom the event. You. Oh, that's so, And that, that movie walks you through. We have the world's leading neuroscientist. So everything we do is about perception you know perception is how you create your life whether it's you create your life in the on the outside world by shifting your perception of, of the outside and you create happiness and love on the inside by sh- shifting your perception on the inside mm-hmm. and we have really nailed down the science behind perception and the foremost authority in the world on perception is a gentleman named Bo Lotto He's amazing. Just like Trent, he's so amazing. He's like an English dude, professor, like slides in, like I'm so cool. I got him pants on, I made him myself. That kind of guy, like he's got an accent and everybody's like, oh. He's amazing. But, you know, we work very closely to make sure everything we're doing is backed in science. And everything we do, we tell these stories so that we can connect with people on a deep level. Because it doesn't matter if you guys, you know, didn't go through our same experiences you share the story and you know what we're able to do is we're able to open people up because they go hey i'm not alone right i'm not the Which only I one that had a fucked up life well right? and everyone every one of us have a story and there's so yeah. many of us that are hiding from it and women that have been sexually abused or being abused in a current relationship or any traumas that you've had i mean we've all had them no one's yes. perfect oh no no, and your struggles, you know, that you go through really are what makes you you. And it makes you, like you said, it brings out that realness, that authenticity, and it makes you share. And I love that you guys are all about that, like bringing that forth to people and making sure that they get to feel like they can be safe and actually speak on that. And that's what we're trying to do. No, we're, we're- it's so it's so important because I feel like... Although it's so funny, we had so this will actually be our, our Erica De La Cruz, who you two should meet actually. Oh, um, you know what? We'll all send Kelly something, um, and we'll connect. Yeah, we just had her on podcast. She's amazing. She just had she has so, an incredible story. Long story short, and if you're new to the podcast, listen after you're done with this. Listen to the previous two episodes with Erica De La Cruz. Long story short, her mother is voluntarily homeless, and her family left her when she was. Um, a freshman in college and she's gone through a lot and I know that not everyone has gone through something that hard but when I think to myself or like I love Rachel Hollis her personally but I think about her story I'm like okay if Rachel Hollis can be Rachel Hollis I can get through what I'm going through and I think that's so important because I think that like and I, I said this in the previous two episodes. I'm I'm done with like these perfect people. I'm really only interested in people who have a story and people who have overcome anything. And that's like what I want in my world. Whether it's my friends or whether it's the content that I consume, I'm only interested in 
people who have been through something who can share something with me. Mm -hmm. And look, it's fine if there's nothing wrong with a makeup tutorial. Trust me, I love it every now and then. And there's nothing, this isn't to put down other people, but for me, this is what inspires me and this is what I need in my life right now. Oh, and stories are how we connect with each other. Really, when you open up, I was so scared to tell my story for ever it just ate me alive on the inside and I blame myself for that but once I opened up I could release all that fear yeah. inside and I think that like you said we learned the stories I think you you know you, you get through those layers of people everyone has all those different layers and then once you start exposing those layers and start sharing what it is that you've been through not only are you helping others but you're healing yourself because it's therapeutic and that you're getting someone to say, oh, I relate to you in some way, shape, or form. You've helped me. You've helped me overcome. You've done something for me. And then I think it really helps your soul. Like, I know even for myself, I went through pretty heavy postpartum depression with my daughter. And you would never know it now because I'm, like, you know, elated being a mother. And it was a whole journey for me. But right. I opened up so much about that on social media. That's and amazing. I was really authentic about it. Yeah. And people reached out to me and said, you know, thank you for sharing this because I was feeling this too. And I was feeling like you know, I was crazy or I didn't even know what I was going through and I had no idea. And so I kept sharing, I realized more and more, more people kept reaching out and I was like, wow, this is actually really helping me and I'm helping everyone else. So I just love what you guys are doing because it's just, it's so real, it's so authentic, it's so needed in everything that's going on today. And I just appreciate that so much. That's so awesome that, you're, that you help those women Thank like you. that. I Thank also you. had postpartum with one of my children, so it's I completely beast, understand right? it. And uh, you have yeah. no it's idea. Huh? He's the one who actually pointed it out. He was so like, I'm uh, like, uh, I something's going on. Like, he was really, yes. like, kind of scared to say, uh, uh, I think you have postpartum. Right, like, afraid to say it to you. Exactly. Yeah. Justin was the same way. He's like, I think something is up with you. I'm not sure what it is, mm-hmm. and I don't want to you know, jump things here, but, like, you're not yourself. And I was right. like, okay. And then when I started, like, paying attention and other friends were around me, and all of a sudden... You don't even really realize it. You don't. When, and then when and somebody points it out, you're like... Right. Oh, wow. Right. Yes. Completely. Well, your story and even your fears only have power over you when you keep them on the inside. Right? Well, and you so, can't you keep heal them by hitting. keeping them when on the outside. When they're out, outside. they've got no power over right. you. Right, right? and I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean that's that's how it rolls. By the way, Trent and Rachel are really good friends. Trent Shelton and Rachel that's Hollis. So, funny. so, oh, that's so I know you're a big Rachel fan, but they are super good friends. So oh, they've worked so together cool. a lot, and oh, so. Um, but yeah, that's it. You got to tell your story. So big part of our event is giving people permission to tell their story. Your story oh, has wow. power. Like everybody's running around trying to be perfect. Stop, because if you actually accomplished it, you'd be the only one, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And then the other thing we do is we all worry about what other people think of us. Like it only makes sense that they're worried about what you think of them. Stop worrying about it. Like they're not thinking about you. Yeah. They're thinking stop, about what stop you think. Stop judging you because no one it, else is doing it. Right. Like, like stop. Everyone is just way too self-centered. Like, you know, who cares? Right. Yeah, nobody no, gives a shit. No. <laughs> That's kind of true. A I little know bit, true. right? <laughs> it's no, it's, it's, but it's true. It's like you, you don't realize you are your worst enemy. Amelia. Oh, no, I realize but you, it. But, but <laughs> a lot of people don't realize No, for you know, sure. Even me, again, going through depression, like, I had no idea, like, the thoughts in my head and how dark I was 
that it was just me. It was no one else. But it was me continuing and continuing and continuing on the spiral that it was like when I finally came out, like you said, and I started speaking about it, I started talking about it with therapists and did all these different things, you know, meditation, found all these tools and resources. I was like, oh my God, I'm human and I can share this and it's okay. It's okay to be vulnerable. So I just think it's amazing you guys have been so vulnerable about everything because your stories are, you know, obviously... Which yeah. wasn't easy, by the no. way, for, especially for her. She was oh like, vulnerability equals what? Weakness. I always thought it was weakness, but it's powerful. It's powerful. Mm-hmm. Or it's even, like, off-brand. Like, something I... Have I talked about this on the podcast? I'll what? just say it now. I don't think I have, which is that I was in an abusive relationship. Wow. And my ex-boyfriend, well, obviously now ex-boyfriend I'm married, but I live with, um, assaulted me. And I rarely talk about it because it's so off-brand, but there's part of me that is also... And when all these Me Too women came out, I'm like, wow, people are talking about this. I had just never talked about it because it was so it was so painful. And it was like, not even that long, it was like six years ago, seven years ago. So it was like right before all of this Me Too stuff. And I look back and I think to myself, wow... Had like all of, had this happened now, he would never have gotten away with it. And it's not something I've chosen to pursue legally because I don't think emo- emotion. There's no, th- there's no way. And I think if you do that, and I think you're is if you're as sick a person as he was, then like your punishment is being you. Well, it's, he's in pain too, right? I mean, oh, he's, he's crying out for help as well. And so it's easy to, to point the finger and go, well, it's them. But you have to realize that all the darkness that exists in everybody else also exists in us. And when we point the finger, then, it's, then it makes it seem like we're separate when in reality we're all the same. And we have to, you know, maybe sharing that today will reach somebody who's afraid to share their yeah. story. Who's how did you? Story. How did you end that relationship? Um, we were we broke up. Like he was just a horrible person. We were living together. It was not going well. This was towards the end of it, and I kind of like couldn't believe what was happening. And the police got involved, and they were not. In fact, they were not helpful. In fact, they called me a bitch and took us. I mean, like I went back, and it's so funny because like. For years, I would, even now, I get so anxious if I see, like, a cop car. Well, of course like, you do. I do. and Because you don't equal that to them helping you. No, not not at all. In fact, like, I, someone, I were in the building where I live, and I think I've talked about it, but um, someone tried to break in, which happens, we're in a lovely neighborhood, we had a security guard, but, like, things do happen everywhere like I'm from New York City and like I'm a pretty tough girl I had to run from someone who was trying to break into the building thank god nothing happened like it was fine but the first person I called not the cops why I don't think the cops give a shit and I don't think there's anything they can do to be honest so I did call the private like 24 hour security and they handled it and whatever but like you know, it's true. It's like I don't think I really trust. Like I don't really trust police officers. Like from from this, and I feel mm-hmm. like if I were ever in a horrible situation, like it'd be the last people call. And it's it's very true that like it does give me a certain amount of anxiety. And it's you know what? It's it's just one of those things where I'm like, oh my god, if that happened now, mm-hmm. the outcome would have been so different. And I just think to myself, and like. To a certain extent, like, I've healed from it. I'm married. I have an amazing husband. Mm. I hope I never have to see him in a drugstore, 
at the supermarket, we don't live in the, I don't know where he lives, but I don't think he lives in this neighborhood, you know, anywhere. Yeah. And it's like, I think I would have a terrible reaction if I saw him. But like, essentially, I hope that like, it's, I don't know if I, I shared that on the podcast. I, I think I alluded to it, but I mean, I've yeah, never I really like discussed it like really yeah. as bluntly as I just did. Good but, for like, you. It's, you know, it's like one of those things where it's like, I just hope that, that, and look, like, bad things are going to happen. Not that everyone's out to get you, but bad things happen in life. But I think because of the Me Too women, things are now going to go differently. Yeah, we can and stop victim shaming. God, yes. what yeah. a terrible thing, victim yes. shaming. I was terribly yeah. victim shamed. Yeah. And that's why I just didn't do, do anything about mm-hmm. it at the time, you know? Because once I knew the cops didn't care, I was like, you know what? Like, so bringing it back to you guys... When, you know, you're going through all this, you know, now you're doing this amazing movement, you know, having these events, working on this film, all these amazing projects, what would be some advice that you would want our listeners to, not of course you're getting so much out of this episode in itself, but what would you want to leave them with, like, you know, some, you know, golden advice of, like, how maybe... could expose, you know, like, themselves more, how they could share those layers. be more open. Yes. Well, I think not being afraid to tell your story and standing up for yourself and showing how great you are no matter what is number one. I think... So for me... I mean, yeah. Yeah, so for me, it would be... You need to understand that everything that you've ever believed about yourself or anything that anybody's ever told you about yourself, like you don't have to believe the lies that you tell yourself, right? You don't have to believe the lies that other people told you about you when you were young or what a situation tells you, you know, about who you think you are. You, you, you literally have agency into deciding that I can look at the world in any way, shape, or form I want. You're only, you know, when you look at a belief like self-esteem, what is it? It's your opinion of yourself. Well, what's it based on? All these past experiences. Well, the truth is you're good enough, right? You, you, you have goodness in you, and you have love in you, and all you have to do is recognize it and grow that portion of you and stop believing the lies that you've heard from your friends or your family or people that aren't your friends and stop believing the lies you've been telling yourself your whole life and know that you have choice in what you what you want to believe believe in about yourself. That's amazing. I have another question too, which is how did you know after coming through all of this to be really into personal development? Because I feel like a lot of people just don't I mean, this is sort of a weird analogy, but, like, I have a friend, a family member, actually, who was going through a challenging birth situation, and I said, oh, well, just, like, ask your doula, or get a doula, like, don't you have a doula? And she's like, what? What's a doula? And I'm like, huh? And I'm just like, I mean, that's a good example, but it's like, I feel like, naturally, some people don't have that intuition to say there are resources available. So how do you think that you two had that intuition to just better yourselves and to work on yourself. Because we wanted it. Well, we was- didn't. We didn't want to be who we were. We didn't want all the sadness. I didn't want to feel unloved and depressed. I didn't want that. I wanted something better for myself. And when I met him, I knew he was such a good human that he wanted it too. And from there, we just went on this journey to figure out why do we feel the way that we do. Well, and the other side of that is is that. Neither of us was going to survive another fight with darkness, Mm -hmm. right? In our minds, it was grow or die, 
right? Wow. And so one of the things that people fail to do, you know, the biggest, the biggest obstacle to growth is like fear, right? We all talk about it, fear of uncertainty, fear of this, fear of rejection. But the truth is, is that the reason we don't move forward is because it's fear because, you know, we're moving away from things and towards things. So people, a lot of times, fail to calculate the cost of not moving. So in other words, if I do nothing, what's going to happen? Well, your life isn't going to get better if you don't work on it to move it better, but it will progress at the at the rate or the speed it's going. So, you know, if you were 20 pounds heavier this year than last year, do the math, right? Yeah. Three years from now, you're going to be 60 pounds heavier, right? If you're in $10,000 in debt, you know, you're going to have $30,000 in debt. And so you have to calculate enough pain around what happens if I don't act? What happens if I don't change? And that's a really powerful exercise to do because people constantly delude themselves of, well, if I stay here, I know here is safe. There is no here. You're always moving towards something. You can literally map that out. You can say, where am I at now in comparison to where I was a year from now or two years from now? You know, two years ago, a year ago, where am I going to go if I continue on this path? And it's not going to be good. And so in reality, you can have anything that you want. There are simple principles around perception on how you create your life. There is mechanisms for creation. And no woo-woo, sit in the couch, look at a vision board, and hope things come to you. It's really real mechanisms, right? Just one of the basic ones is how perception works. You can only see what you believe to be possible, right? You're like, what do you mean? Well, your mind takes in you know, a million bits of information a second. What's, it, what's your mind going to deliver out of that? What you believe to be possible. Meaning your mind doesn't take any time looking for things that you don't believe are possible. And so as you start to move into positivity, it expands your field of perception. And then you start seeing more opportunities, right? You know, be able to make decisions is around being able to feel safe in and of yourself, right? Taking actions about taking responsibility because that's what gives you power. So there are principles. We had to discover those principles for ourselves. We had to figure it out for ourselves because we couldn't afford to go to, you know, an event. But if people want help, if you want change, you know, stop living in fear. Get outside of yourself. Know that you are worthy of love and compassion and understanding and that you can do, have, and be anything you want to be. Like those fears you're living with around police, you don't have to live with those anymore. There's actually ways and techniques to go in and extract all that fear out of your subconscious mind so that you don't have to live in that fear of police officers and victim shaming anymore. It's... No, it's so funny because, like, it's gone away a little bit, but I agree. I'm just like, oh, cops. Like, like, I'm in college and, like, I have beer and I'm underage. Like, I know, like, cops, please don't be cops. And it's like, my my car is working. I've got my registration sticker, like, up to, like, what? Yeah, it's true. It's, I, I get it. It's, that's, so is this all in your book and the movie? When is the book out is the question. So pre-sales go on next week. And so the, the book is called Seeing per- Perception, Seeing is Not Believing. Amazing. And wow. Then, and so that. it's time to evolve. And so is the movie. That's what it's called. And so we'll have links for this we're going to have the movie yes. out before the event, actually. We're finishing wow. it right now. Where is the movie available? So we're going to have it on iTunes, Amazon. We'll send, you a, we'll send you a link. Yes, definitely. Amazing. But it's really... It's really the principles behind change, mm-hmm. right? And so one of the things we worth mentioning is that on Friday during the day, the first day of the event, Steph, what are you doing on Friday? 
It's a women's day dedicated to women from 9 to 5. We're going to have a panel of women um, talking about finding their voices. I will be on that panel. That's incredible. Amazing. Um, we're going to have a lot of amazing women talking about healing, business, all kinds of different issues women have, um, abuse. I mean, we're going to cover it all. Um, it'll be amazing. Yeah, that's powerful. It's time for women to own their power, mm -hmm. right? That's right. Yeah. I, I'm of the firm belief, and so says so our friend CJ over here, that it's time to just, like men have screwed it up long enough, we should just hand it over to women and be like, hey, guys, you know, we've, we've kind of screwed things up over the last 2,000 years. It's just like, uh, you guys take a turn. We're going to go play golf. Or raise some kids. I don't and know. And then Saturday is... Golf, um, go lead your family. Yeah, yeah but you know. Saturday is yeah. the powerful you experience. Uh-huh. Um, you will be walking people through the emotional integration technique. Yeah, so we developed a, a technique called the emotional integration technique mm -hmm. that actually allows you to go into your subconscious mind and to find the traumas that exist in there and to be able to take those traumas out and imprint new emotions on old experiences. This is amazing. It is amazing. It's really cool. That's so important. I think it's like, it's so hard to, I think, for people who have had trauma, and I'm not an expert on this, mm -hmm. to like, to deal with it or to sit there and do it or to have like an inexpensive resource. Because I'll tell you, like, I have insurance that I pay. I don't even, if I told people how much my insurance was, they, they would die. Um, it's a fortune. And it's like $500 more than everyone else is paying. Yeah. Um, but anyway, and it's like, it covers nothing. nothing. None of these doctors, I hate to say it, but like, I feel like a lot of doctors who take insurance know nothing. And then I'll like read things or I'll hear things about personal development. And I feel like they're doing what like, I mean, I hate not everyone. Because I'm going to get so much slack for this. But I feel like personal development, in a lot of ways, is doing what the medical and psychological community can't. Well, and what we do is we give you your power back because it's not us that does anything. We're not doing anything. All I'm doing is giving it. Well, yeah, but somatic, we're giving you a technique. It's a somatics meditation, and it's something that you can do yourself. So we'll teach it to you, and it's something you can do every day on your own. That's wonderful. So you're I mean, giving a tool to take away. It's a yeah. tool. It's yeah, not right. something you don't need us. This is about you. And that's what everyone asks. Why are we different than other people? Because it's not about us. We're it's not, not about us. It's not, not James it's and Stephanie Purpura International. It's powerful you. It's about you. Right? That's the difference is, is that we want to make it about the information, not the people. Right? Mm -hmm. And so like that, you know, the integration technique, I could literally show you in three minutes, like how powerful it is, it would just, it's just mind blowing. Like the idea, like, you know, you say trauma, like your experience with that, that guy, that's traumatic. It's still in there, right? There's yeah. still fear associated with that. Do you think that that fear serves you today? Absolutely not. Right. Wouldn't you like to be rid of it? Absolutely. Right. I mean, you know, I, you know, we could literally take three seconds and show you just how much relief that you have by addressing and understanding that fear is not meant to be repressed or projected, it's meant to be expressed. And that's, that's fear is stored inside of you. That emotion is in your system. Wait, can we do it while we're recording? Absolutely. Wait, let's say I'm taking my phone off of my, like, wait, let's do this. Like, All right, let's do it. This, this will be fun. I said we were gonna go deep. We're gonna go super <laughs> deep now. Yeah, we're going super deep. 
Okay, so let's. I want you to remember the fear and the anger of that situation, but I want you to allow yourself to really feel it. And, and tell me when you can, I mean, really bring it up like you're there. And just know at the end you won't have it. And also know that you're in a safe place and that nobody's going to judge you here. And that there's only love coming across this table. Tell me when you have the feeling in its full glory. It's hard. We could do the police instead if you want to do that one. That's easier. No, no, no. Let's do it. So I want you to imagine the fear of being in your apartment or wherever it was and, and knowing that the anger was going somewhere, right? And being afraid that you can't trust this person. The betrayal that goes along with somebody that you love putting their hands on you. Mm-hmm. Can you feel that? Yeah. Tell me where in your body you feel it. In your throat. Okay. In your shoulders. All right, so I want you to feel the pain in your throat and the pain in your shoulders. And I don't want you to do this in your mind. I want you to actually feel that pain. And I want you to go back to the very first time in your life that you remember feeling that pain. That pain has memory. And allow your mind to go back as far as it needs to. Mm-hmm. Do you know the first time you felt that? Yeah. Is that something you're willing to share? Um, General terms. When I was diagnosed with ADD. Okay, how old were you? Eight. Okay. And I want you to feel the pressure on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. And I also want you to feel in your throat you're probably diagnosed with ADHD because maybe you talk too much. Right? So people probably told you, like, mm-hmm. there was that talk. I want you to realize what happened at that point, somebody that put that diagnosis on it, that you, in a sense, were robbed of your voice. Yeah. Do you feel that? Yeah. Okay, and then the pain in your shoulders, that's a big pressure to have to know that you have to regulate yourself, that you can't be your true authentic self. Do you feel that pressure? Yes. Okay, so let me ask you a question. So when you were younger, you didn't have the mental or physical capacity to defend yourself. So you adopted this fear that you're currently feeling as a protective mechanism. Can you see how it protected you at the time? Yes. Okay. Does that fear still serve you? No. No. Not really. No. And it doesn't serve you because when you think about the relationship where that abuse occurred, you didn't speak your truth. Right? And so that's the burden. But you're an adult now, and you've made it through the other side. You have a loving husband. You have a successful podcast. You have a voice. Can you see that? Yes. But do you see how the pain in the throat and the pressure on the shoulders actually, you know, doesn't allow you to speak sometimes when you don't want to, or you get too defensive and angry when you shouldn't? Yeah. It's like closing me off. Yes. And so what was once helpful... The younger version of you adopted this fear to protect you, but you no longer need it, and it's stuck in your throat and it's stuck in your shoulders. But they, you did that to protect yourself. So I want you to go back to that younger version of you, and I want you to honor that version of you and thank it. 
and say, thank you for adopting this fear, and I want you to be thankful and loving towards the fear. Thank you for protecting me when I need it, but I made it through the other side. I have a loving husband, a successful career. I no longer need to feel this fear and this pain and sit with it until it releases. You no longer carry the pressure of this fear on your shoulders. And just sit there and let that fear express and just sit there in love and gratitude of the service that that fear did for you and every version of yourself that used that fear to protect yourself. And just sit with it for a second until it releases. We're going to go silent for a second. Love and gratitude into the fear. You no longer need it. Stand it down. Exhaling if that's great for a podcast. You're good. That was intense. That was like very intense. So I want you to recognize, close something. Close your eyes for a second. Mm hmm. Do you notice how deeply you're breathing? Yeah. Right? And it's not work? Yeah. Okay, so close your eyes one more second. Do you hear that little bit of white noise in your head? Yeah. That's home. So what if you're a heart? What if you're, what if you're a heart that thinks it's a brain, right? That that's the center of your being. And so what Steph was just talking about, women losing their voice, almost every single time we do a process on a woman, it's always in their throat. That's so weird. Because it's society. And if we went into that police issue, it would be there too. You could go back and go, let me bring up that fear. And it would be back in that throat because you didn't feel like you were heard. You didn't have a voice. And so from the second you were, you were, you were uh, diagnosed as ADHD, you lost your voice. A big part of you doing this podcast is because you're like, damn it, I'm going to have a voice. Yeah. Right. And you want to express that voice. But you, don't, you can express it more clearly through love. That fear isn't fueling you. You don't have to carry the weight of that burden on your shoulder anymore. There's no reason for you. You can speak clearly, right? It's so it's so true. It's it's very true because like I feel like a lot of times like I'm I'm silenced or I'm misunderstood. I always say like the biggest thing is that I always feel misunderstood. Um, which gets scouted into trouble in the past. But it's it's true though. And it's it's funny because like I'm a writer, like I write for Forbes and Real Simple and The Sped Life and I have a blog and I have, you know, social media and I have a yeah. voice. Like I am one of the few people, not few people because being an influencer is a thing, but like I have a platform. I have many platforms. So it's sort of ridiculous. It's not true. To like not, to, to feel this way. Like it's, right. it's crazy to me. Um, because I literally have every platform available and people are, I know people are listening. Like legit, I have numbers. Like I know people are listening, you know? Right. But so you're trying to seek that validation. You're trying to prove. So the lie is, the lie is you don't, the lie is that you believe that you don't have a voice when you actually do. And that's the fear. Mm-hmm. So the reason, you know, the anger and the frustration builds up in your throat is because you're like, God, I got to get my voice out there. Your voice is out there. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, you look so much more calm than we walked in this room. You do. You look so you much really more do. serene. You, I mean, you know, there's a kindness and a softness 
that wasn't there, right? Like you, you, you felt that pressure when you walked in. You're like, I got five articles to write. I got this. I got that. Yeah, yeah. I have to get my voice out there. The world's depending on. It. But the truth is, you know, your fear was driving you, right? But you can go in and take that police situation. You didn't. You weren't listened to. You didn't have a voice. You you didn't express in fear. You didn't in all the places. But it's a lie. You have a voice. You always did, right? And you told your story today. Yeah. But. You can go in and find that that pain in there, and you can follow any trauma back. Any trauma that you've ever experienced, all you have to do is allow yourself to feel it, get into the pain. The pain is tied to a memory. Then once you find the memory, you go into that memory, and here's what we did from a technical point of view, okay? Is the way perception works is your mind only ever works in assumptions. And so your mind goes back, and any time you're having an experience, it goes back to find a similar experience and it pulls that meaning into the future and says, this is what it means. Well, along with every experience comes an emotion, right? And so emotions that are in process are more readily available. So it grabs an emotion and all of a sudden you're pissed off for no reason. You're like, why am I yeah. pissed right now? Your husband just said something like the, you know, what is the one that's always a... Uh, uh, Actually, you look good, actually. <laughs> right? Like, and you're like, why am I pissed right now? Right? And it's like, because you're having an emotional reaction, it doesn't make sense for the situation because your perception pulled a memory that has an emotion. So, what we literally did was we went back into your subconscious mind, we pulled up a painful memory, and where there was once fear, you know what we put there? Gratitude and love. And so the next time your mind goes into your subconscious to pull a memory and it pulls that one, it's going to come with a different emotional response, which is now fear and love. That's or love and Love and, it's not fear and love, I'm sorry, love and gratitude. And so you can go back into all of your experiences because your mind can't tell the difference between having an experience the first time and memorizing, remembering it. It can't tell the difference. It's a little less severe. Really? And so that's, that's, so that's the science of the brain. And so you go back to those experiences and you're like, what do I want to take away? Do I want to take away that fear, which was a, based on a lie? Right? Mm -hmm. Because I have ADHD too, right? So it's like, mm -hmm. well, what did you do? You talked a lot. So when you heard that, it was like, oh, this is why she talks so much. Right? Mm -hmm. Or something along that lines, I'm guessing. Right? And you're like, oh my God, I talk too much. Right? But that was the most unique, pure version of you. Yeah. And you've been running away from it ever since. Completely. But now it's in time to embrace it. And because that fear isn't the most powerful driver. Mm -hmm. Right? It's recognizing that you were always good enough. That you always have a voice. And you have a huge platform and you should be expressing your voice to everybody and everything. Mm -hmm. And this is what we discovered. This is how we rebuilt ourselves. This is like amazing. This is so amazing. You must just change people's lives at, at like, your event. We sure try. <laughs> well, we had to do, here's, tell them why we discovered this. Because when we got our first million, tell them. He looked at me and said, are you happy? And I said, no, I'm not happy. Because money doesn't buy happiness. And actually, the statistic is. 75,000. If you make, it doesn't matter if that's like the threshold. Although I think it's a few bucks more in LA. Did well, you, no, actually the, the statistic I was going to say oh. was people with money kill themselves more yes, often yes. than people without yeah, money. Really? So why is that? Because people with money understand they they no longer live with the false belief that money's going to buy happiness. And they it doesn't. Like, oh. You may have nicer handbag and some shoes, right. yeah, right. but if you're not happy, right. and, and I say I'm not happy, 
because that's what I've always desired because I never had that. I've, I was never happy. I was always sad. I was always depressed. I mean, sometimes I still have to fight that. But I'm willing to try every day. I wake up every day. I meditate. I connect. I clear my mind. And I have to choose the happiness and release all this negative thoughts that come up. Or release any fears that are still in my body. Just doing the process over and over. See, I didn't do anything there. You did everything. That was you. No, you, you guided it, though. No, no, no. But, but, but that's something you can do every single day yeah. on your you know own. The, you know the process now. It has nothing to do with me. That's, that's, no, that's amazing. Yeah. Like, I just think, you know, it's so funny, though, that you say about money not buying happiness. Because I always, whenever I hear about people who have a lot of money and they don't and they're sad. And I'm like, you can buy really good help. That kind but of do they want it? Well, do they that's want the it? Question. That is well, you have to want it. Yes, sometimes no. You can't be forced on you. You have to want it. And I wanted it, and he wanted it. But the the difference is this: you know, emotions do not live. Traumas do not live in your mind. They live in your body. So everybody's trying to approach a body a, a body level problem at where it's not at. It was in your body. So what happens is because you literally, what do you do? You you push emotions down in, and that's where they stay. They stay in your central nervous system. It's just an extension of your brain. Mm-hmm. So I, I can talk to you all day long about why you had a voice, and we can talk logic all day long, but that's a really long process. You never get rid of the darkness. You just kind of set it aside, and the positive voice, and that's what we discovered, is like the positive voice became louder than the negative voice, mm-hmm. but the darkness never went away. The attic was still in there, and all the different aspects of me were still in there mm-hmm. and her. It's just like we're not happy. Right. And so when we got to money, because we were convinced once we get to you know millions of dollars, we're gonna be happy. We're like, yeah. shit, that wasn't it. Now, here's what here's the truth is that what it takes to create money is understanding how to shape your perception of the outside world, right? Mm-hmm. And that's post assumption. But you can't impact the future from the present. You can only impact it from the past. So you have. How you create happiness is shaping your perception of the inside world, which is what we just did with you and that, that thing. And so you can have both. People feel like they're made to choose, but you don't have to choose. Mm-hmm. You can have both. Because when you change your perception of your inside world, I mean, you literally look different right now sitting across mm-hmm. those. You, it's just a softer, you know, just like more confident, loving look. Like, I don't have to prove myself. Because here's, what's, here's the truth. When you get down to the bottom and there's fear there, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't matter how much you put on top, the bottom is still fear. So once you remove that fear, and it's like, wait, I don't have to fight to exist. I can just do what I want to do. Right. I can just exist. I can just exist. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I, I, don't, I don't have fear. I don't have to worry about rejection or anything else. Mm-hmm. I can just be me, my most authentic version. You know, we one day we were in a meditation. We came out of a meditation. We had this thought, and the thought was, what if I'm everything that I think that I'm not and nothing that I think that I am? And that's the most likely scenario because you've been running away from your unique self your entire life. And matter of fact, most of us hate it. Mm-hmm. But in the truth, that's where all of our power is. Mm-hmm. That's where our love is. So if you want to change, you want all the money and creativity in the world, change your perception of the outside world. Become more positive and look at things differently because you open up, you feel the perception. But if you want to change, but if you want to change your level of happiness, right, your level of human connection, 
you have to go back and change your inside world. Because your perception pulls memories, and those memories become your future, so your past is always casting a shadow on the future, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you can go back there and you can change the emotional response of those. That way, it's pushing new good things. So you're actually going to your past to change your future. You can only change... You can only change your perception about the present in the present. Right. So that's how it all works. I mean, we've studied this science inside and out because when we got there, we we're like, we're still not happy. We got to we got to figure out how to be happy now. So we learned how to shift our perception to make money on the outside world, and then we went in and we said, all right. We met this really interesting guy. He's like, because you're going to the wrong place. Your body's your emotions in your body. I'm like, what? Wow. And he did something similar to what we just did there. He didn't give us the release. Oh, no, it's, it's true. And I talked about this on the podcast last year. I broke, I think it's been like a year since I broke my back. And oh, um, wow. I went to two different doctors. I went to Cedars, so fancy, the worst hospital in the world. Um, all of this stuff. And I was like, I'm done. I'm going to a healer. Like, I'm like, I'm like, like I, believe, I have like crystals in my bag. I'm a pretty woo woo person, but even that was like, you know, but I was like so desperate because I was still in so much pain. And like, there's only so much vitamin you can take. It's also, you know, dangerous. Yeah. Um, and I went to this healer and she did this thing, which was sort of sim, not exactly like that, but involved emotional things and trauma and summoning my ancestors. And it was very ritualistic. And like, I have to say, my back, I was having back problems before I broke my back. I'm like 95% better. Yeah, well, and yeah, I remember How did you break your back? You were better too. Oh, during a high intensity interval training class. Oh, well, Joe Robin. That's, that's a whole other conversation. She works out like a, like a psycho. Like, there's a whole other conversation. Are you saying that because I went to psycho? No, you, 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 you work out like a psycho. You work out like a psycho. Like, I, you're the only person I know who like enjoys doing like I don't insane. enjoy it. Yes, you do. You don't enjoy it. Yes, you do. I just. I'm just vain enough. Um, I really am. But no, I went to her, and it was, like, true. It's, like, I I don't know what she did, but I cried for an hour and a half into, like, a blanket. And then I was, like, I mean, I was in an SUV that flipped when I was 18. So inherently, like, I'm going to have some physical problems. Mm. But, like, again, 95% gone. So I really believe in in what you're saying. Like, and Well, I then you should that, probably stop that definition of I'm going to have some physical problems. Oh. Because that's a belief. Right? Oh, Did you see that? Point. Right? You, you put that out there, that I'm going, and then you're jumping over and you're right. right? So that's a belief. That's mm-hmm. a perception. Mm-hmm. You've put it in your mind and in your body that, you know, I was flipped in the SUV, yeah. so I'm going to right. physical problems. Right. Even that, I mean, even though you were saying something really empowering after that, you undermined it. That you do that, that's so, that's so amazing. We're going to have links to all of this in the show notes. We don't need to make people search. Like, it's hard enough. Yeah. That is probably a bad perception, but who needs a challenge of more Googling and awareness? Um, is there anything else you want to like? Yeah, anything else you put out there or share? Audience? Like, I am just like floored. Like, yeah, I'm I mean, just this is so a floored. Line. This was so powerful. Really, no pun intended. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's true though. Been like really powerful, really empowering, so insightful, and really, really deep. I think yeah. like really, this might be like the deepest episode of yeah. 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 Woo, we did it. We got the deepest episode award. Does that come? Do we get the snowball? Come see us um, May 17th through the 19th, LA Convention Center. Yeah. 
Powerful-u.com, and that's the letter U. Uh, will you be doing other events throughout the country at all? Or? Yeah, if people uh, come to this event, we will for sure. Yeah. Oh, come people, see us. Um, I have like, a women's event in Utah October 26th. Beautiful. So the, the movie should should create yes. a really nice buzz. I mean, there's a mm-hmm. lot of good content. So we want to we want to spread this concept around the world. We're, yeah. we're doing we're doing small satellite events. I think one's going to start up here in LA where it's a monthly thing. Oh, wow. One night, That's like it's like at a high school auditorium, super cheap that. to go so that people can get connected monthly. And we always do this process and we always help to shape and change your perception because you, I mean, here's the bottom line with perception. You only can see, you only have your interpretation of the world. You don't have access to reality. Mm-hmm. And so make it whatever you want. Yeah. Right? You can choose. Empower your interpretations, right? Empower yourself. Love yourself. Uh, know that you're great. Oh, that's, that's a beautiful way to end the show. I love that. And as we always say, be fabulous and, and love yourself. And love yourself. <laughs> and a powerful you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Taught them both how to chain Fonda. One, two, three, four. Get your booty on the dance floor. Work it out. Shake it, little mama. Let me see you do the change